six, seven times he would say, can I please have a glass of water? And, and I was like, अरे इसको पानी दे यार हिंदी Welcome back to Cross Culture, a podcast that explores the multicultural experiences and cross-cultural musings of two Asian dudes living here in sunny Singapore. Sunit here, the Indian dude, and Eric here, the Filipino dude. Um, so, if you guys have been listening to the podcast, I guess in season one, I guess we're at season two in it now. We've mostly tackled topics that are a bit more personal, such as cross-cultural dating, relationships and marriages, raising kids, growing up in other countries, all that stuff. Quite personal, but today we wanted to do something a bit more valuable to the professionals, especially ones who are managing cross-cultural teams across the region. So, as we know, Singapore has been seemingly the de facto regional hub for multinationals for the last what couple decades, uh, thanks to its strategic geographic location, relatively open business climate, and efficient infrastructure, and as we all know, the stable and hyper-functional governance of the Singapore government. You're welcome, SG government, for the flattery. Um, it's a regional hub for many companies, from the big multinationals to the SMEs and startups. And the leaders in this corporate world, such as team leads to sea levels, have been dealing with the complex dynamics of managing people across cultures, not just within Singapore, also outside managing the region. And we're here to explore the nuances. Of this cross-cultural management of teams across the region, with our friend Kabir Chaudhry, the brand-spanking new managing director of one of the leading performance marketing agencies in the re- in the region, MNC Sachi. So, what's up, bro? So we're bro. bro- we're broing you because we're, <laughs> we're we're real life friends. Broskies, <laughs> brosauruses, brosauruses. <laughs> So yeah, introduce guys. yourself, Kabir. What what do you what do you do? What what does your company do, and what's your role in the company? Sure, sure, sure. First of all, thanks, guys, for having me on on your podcast. I've been a, a keen listener of the podcast for the past uh, few uh, months since it started. And shut uh, up, have you? Yeah, I have. Okay. What, what was it like? The the cross cultural <laughs> marriages oh, and like raising one. children okay. and all of that. Yeah, it's it's been pretty good. Yeah, and I remember the first time when you guys were like kind of discussing the idea of the podcast. And oh yeah. Yeah, 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 we were we were getting drunk and and like throwing out all these ideas. And Kabir, I must say, was the catalyst behind all of this. <laughs> Maybe without Kabir, this podcast would have never happened. And okay, what yeah. does your company do? Yeah, so I uh, I actually work for a performance marketing agency called MNC Sachi Performance, and yeah. as the name suggests, we do performance marketing. Uh, we are um, we are actually. Um, Uh, we we specialize in working with digital native companies to kind of help them grow, uh, like with user acquisition or or retention. Uh, so the kind of clients we w- would work with would be 
the ride hailing apps or like the e-commerce companies or right. the travel and hospitality companies um and and this so i've been in this uh, industry for about 8 years and uh, and yeah i think uh, it's uh, so yeah i i i basically manage the region for this company we are around like 90 in in asia pacific across six offices so you manage apac or southeast asia or yeah um, i i manage apac uh, but we are again we are a kind of a small uh, unit so we are not like that big uh and also i think the main markets for us are india and southeast asia mm, uh mm. besides we have a small unit in australia as well right um so yeah that's yeah and briefly tell us what your career trajectory has that kind of just put you into the role <laughs> it's been it's been uh, uh it's been a, a bit of everything for me actually so i like uh, every other half smart indian i actually did computer engineering <laughs> and figured out and then you figured out what you really wanted to do exactly. with your life <laughs> exactly. which is performance marketing <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah and and clearly uh, suni didn't do uh, computer engineering because he is not half smart he is really smart. dumb <laughs> <laughs> so he does sales for travel <laughs> so i uh, I so after I did I I actually like started working with Citibank uh, after I finished my uh, engineering and like I was supposed to do Unix server administration right and I was while I was being trained for six months I figured that I definitely don't want to do this for the rest of my life mm-hmm. so I took a plunge and I I I somehow entered the reality TV production uh, industry uh and just imagine right like my my uh, my my parents are indian and they uh, like and i was the one like I, i'm i'm the youngest actually of uh, of the siblings yeah. and both my my brother and sister they are into the art so my 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 brother is a like a theater actor my sister is a painter mm. so they had thought that they had like academic dreams from me like this guy will do something academic right <laughs> and Six months into my new job, I was like, I'm quitting this and I'm going. Uh, I'm joining a reality show uh, production company. <laughs> did they did they judge you that hey, look at your sister, she's pursuing real art, <laughs> whereas you, <laughs> who we had like academic dreams from, is doing reality TV. Exactly. <laughs> oh, James, listen, I came from that industry, by the way. It's not trash TV. It's 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 entertaining. It gives you insight to people's, you know. That's trashiness. True. Maybe that the is new one says a trashiness. That that's that's a good idea for another episode. Yeah, we'll yeah, do yeah. that. We'll do we'll do that later. But yeah, I mean, you you obviously came from India. You grew a career in Singapore. You're managing. I mean, you you went through the whole rounds of of dealing with different cultures. How how has based on your background, how has growing a career in Singapore changed your cultural perspectives? Right. Yeah. I'll just like go back to my background. Oh, sure. I'll just finish it, finish it off, so you guys will get a better idea of my, what my background has been. Sure. And probably that will kind of help uh, uh, the, answer, answer all the questions as well. Right. So I actually, so as I said, right, I I entered the reality show industry and I uh, worked there for five years. And at some point of time, I figured that I don't want to do this as well for the rest of my life. So I said, why don't I come to Singapore and do an MBA? Right. And uh, and yeah, and that's where I met you guys. uh and clearly everything has been downhill since then <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no but yeah like uh, right after my mba i i i got a job in a big agency uh in like a mobile marketing role um and i didn't know anything about uh, about digital marketing at that point of time yeah. but obviously it was a big learning curve 
and and then i joined this agency in 2015 and uh, i think uh, like i was uh, i was a bit lucky to join this agency as well because they had just established their apac office and i was like the third employee in asia and uh, and we were just like kind of going out there and also especially because we concentrate a lot on digital native companies and that's the time these kind of companies were really kind of blooming and blossoming yeah so we got to kind of ride that wave as well uh, so yeah i've been involved in like kind of growing the team uh, doing a lot of bd traveling a lot uh, across these markets so yeah it's been an, it's been a very exciting journey for me uh, yeah just a follow up question in the period that you since you started out as a third employee here in the singapore office which was as i understand the first office that you guys put up how many offices um, did you grow the company into just because i want the audiences to know all this cross cultural experience that you've had yeah yeah actually singapore wasn't the first office just to like kind of clarify mm. our first office was australia and um, uh, and but it was a very small unit because in general uh, australia is a very small market for these kind of companies as well the kind of companies we work for uh but and then singapore was the they decided that we'll start the singapore office and that that would be our hub uh but yeah i have been responsible in like kind of opening probably four five offices across the region so like two in india uh one in jakarta mm-hmm. uh one in bangkok and uh, yeah i think yeah and but and we've grown from like what four to 90 people now i think 95 yeah wow so you're essentially managing indians uh thai i'd say a big chunk in indonesia as oh, well yeah. and then you got a whole smorgasbord of everyone here in singapore right yeah. so which which one of those cultures you felt like you've learned the most from yeah. which one of them was something that that was a bit of a revelation for you yeah yeah i think like it i wouldn't like i didn't have like that one aha moment and said okay i've learned a lot from this one culture right but i would say i think my learnings on like kind of cultural differences started when i actually started my mba right because obviously working in india you kind of are just like looking at certain things and you have a certain like kind of work ethics and the way you kind of deal with people mm. while like i'd like to say that india in itself is also a melting pot of cultures right because one and a half billion people there are so many different uh, languages dialects which people actually a lot of people who don't live in india don't understand so once you've actually worked in india it actually helps you a lot to kind of gauge cultural differences in itself uh, but i think like once i when i came uh, came to singapore to do my mba i think i mm. started understanding the nuances of different cultures be it obviously uh, southeast asian from indonesian to malaysian to filipino uh, singaporean or even like europeans right we had a decent amount of europeans in all our right um, and um, So yeah, I think like that's where I think the the kind of learning curve started, where you kind of oh, when understand you, how when you, you when you met us, yeah, <laughs> were you were you satisfied? Did you learn a lot from us, or <laughs> I guess you have, right? Obviously, you're managing director of a region, right? Let's move on to like how how you're managing cross cultural interactions or cross culturalism within your teams. Um, you notice you you've already mentioned the different cultures that you manage across the region. Is there any noticeable nuances? on the different cultures or work styles yeah. that you've come across. Yeah. The reason I'm also asking is like there's also this overarching thing that I think my, me personally that uh, I mean a company culture can 
kind of override the generic kind of cultural working style of the country that you're in, right? Yeah, yeah. Is there this overriding kind of work culture that MNC Saatchi propagates within the organization yeah. itself that may seem different from the work styles you've seen in Southeast Asia and India? Yeah, yeah. you're completely right, right? I think uh, if there are cultural nuances and if you have a strong company culture, you can actually override a lot of the cultural uh, nuances there. Mm-hmm. And I think... what we kind of try to propagate overall is a very libertarian culture where we right. we trust people and we give a lot of power to uh, individual employees as well to kind of take calls uh, right. we we don't believe in micromanaging like i think we have these strong kind of ethics overall which uh, which we try to propagate obviously you have to change based on who you're managing as well so management style doesn't need to kind of be very fixed that oh this is how you deal with everyone right. which is obviously the worst thing ever right. because uh, while some people might want more uh, uh, like kind of autonomy some people might uh, say oh i want to be micromanaged i want more uh, insights from my manager my i need my manager to tell me but overall as an agency we try to kind of keep a very libertarian point of view where right. we give uh, autonomy to individual people and say okay you you decide how you want to kind of run your team or how do you, how you want to kind of approach this client and i feel a lot of innovation comes from there right. but this is again this is nothing to do with cultural differences but this is more on the way we kind of try to set our culture overall right yeah can you cite any examples where you see like a person's cultural work style kind of clashes with that overall overarching kind of company style yeah like i think like uh, like I, i think the the best learning for me has been when um, i started seeing indian culture from the outside yeah ah. because i think and perhaps with you guys as well right sunit correct me if i'm wrong like when you move outside of india and then you start seeing okay this is what we do right So yeah. a very funny anecdote was uh, me and my uh, boss at that time we were doing like the rounds of India and we were like going we were like kind of pitching to uh, we did like a three week kind of tour across India right. to kind of pitch to all these companies that we were targeting and um, and very interesting so we would go to all their offices and we would have like we would come out of the meetings and it would be like perfect like it would be very positive like you come out of the meeting and you're like tomorrow we'll start the campaign yeah. you know we'll go for this it. one <laughs> and, and and we would like and then we came back to singapore and we were following up with most of them and no one's replied to us and and my boss who was uh, who was who was uh, uh, who was british he was like what the fuck is going on why is no one like all these meetings were so positive where like we like Yes, like yes, we're going to start it tomorrow. We're going to like kind of give you so much budget or whatever. Now no one's replying. Just- I I saw this and I was like, perhaps we do that, right? And then I realized that one thing that we have in India is that we don't want to say no directly to anyone who's kind of coming in. Uh, so we obviously like in India, like people are not very straightforward in terms of mm. saying a direct no or mm. a direct. Uh, Yes. And especially like if if it's if it's a negative news they don't want to say it directly. Yeah. So I I thought that that was a uh, sorry. If I can interject there, it's it goes both ways though. Yeah. In my experience, um a yes always comes in with caveats and no comes in with a possible future opportunities. Right. Right? right, right, right. And and yeah, that is unique to India. Yeah. Um that 
there is a culture of avoiding that no and avoiding that conflict so how did you resolve that especially that you at the time you had a you have a boss from the western world who's like just flabbergasted like what the what the hell man like, i thought we're good yeah. it's like how did you manage him yeah no i, I think like then then we obviously like kind of figured that to deal with uh, clients in different cultures you have to kind of have a different strategy as well right and again i think I I would say obviously you have certain cultural nuances, but I would not like to generalize because sure. you have uh, people with very different uh, personalities everywhere, right? You have and company cultures too, right? Yeah, like yeah. you have very smart and very lazy people in every uh, country or every culture. So right, like if just to say that if people in this country are like this or this culture are like this, probably not right. But mm-hmm. like I think. what we usually do is we try to design our teams based on who the client we are dealing with is uh, so if we if we have like well you said you design a team or you 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 assign a team properly based on based on, based on what so it could be uh, like it's more than cultural it's based on like the the kind of personality the clients clients have as well uh, ah. m- most obviously the number one thing that we look at is the uh, the skills that the client needs so that's the number one thing but right. the number 2 could also be like the kind of personality type they are so we'll try to fit a team which might actually suit their personality so for example if you have a client who um, who uh, who's very clear on what they want and they want to get things done in a certain way yeah we'll probably give them a, a an account manager who might actually be someone who can do that really well and be able to like be more operational executional while if you have a client who uh, wants the agency to be the ones who's driving the strategy all the time and taking so we'll have someone who will be more innovative more strategic so that's yeah. obviously the try the way we try to actually kind of do it mm-hmm. um but actually since i men- mentioned this india tour i have a very <laughs> uh, very very like uh, i have a very funny anecdote that uh, happened it's kind of cultural as well so you guys yeah, yeah, enjoy yeah. it So we were doing this like India round, right? So yeah, uh, my British boss and me, and uh, we were going around India. So whenever we would walk into an office, the the guy or the person who's kind of hosting us would be like, "Hey, do you guys uh, do you, do you guys want something to eat or drink or whatever?" Mm. So uh, my British boss would go, uh, "Can I please have a glass of water?" <laughs> and um, and 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 they would never understand. So and he's and I would be like. Uh, Can you please get get him water? So, uh, so and this happened like six, seven times, right? Like across say like twenty offices we visited, mm-hmm. six, seven times he would say, "Can I please have a glass of water?" And and I was like, "Are isko pani de yar." That basically in Hindi that means. <laughs> What does that mean? Like give him water. So then I then I told him that uh, see you can't say water in uh, in India. You have to say water. <laughs> so so the last meeting the best thing was the last meeting we had he walked into the room and he's like can i please have a glass of water <laughs> yes, 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 yes 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 sir yes sir yes sir <laughs> <laughs> that's that's uh, funny that is hilarious though the the way you mentioned that it it brought a bit of an insight which was um around these cultural practices or etiquettes of doing business right in I can talk about India because I am from there. Um, is that we don't have a culture of necessarily being very polite 
like in terms of the way our language is structured mm-hmm. very rarely do we add the thank yous and the please yeah right wait well obviously i wouldn't understand but you, yeah you, a lot of people but you guys seem polite to me when you speak in english correct is, but is, that is that's that's a lot of like um that's our uh, colonial hangover colonial hangover <laughs> yeah i've been and, and <laughs> sort of like uh you know being educated in that western sort of um a language and then b etiquette yeah. uh, just because we're very aware about it as well the indian language in itself doesn't have all of that mm-hmm. right so a lot of times in especially in pressure situations um i hear from a lot of my colleagues who work with other indians that they find them to be overbearing yeah, and yeah. very directive mm-hmm. and that sometimes creates conflict um of working with a with an indian person i can find that interesting in and 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 uncomfortable for us southeast asians because we tend yeah. to be a lot less direct than i would i mean just based Correct. on my experience and and a lot more high context like what you say matters the way you how treat, you say it how matters. you say it matters and because it affects us because i think i think generally speaking barring singapore a lot of southeast asia is that high power distance Yeah. uh between their superiors i mean philippines has that i mean i've looked at the studies like philippines is probably one of the highest in in southeast asia philippines indonesia um and i think it could I guess be hurtful for people who are from my kind of work culture to receive that amount of directness but how do you guys like since both of you guys are indian um how do you guys manage that with us folk from southeast asia do you tend to just keep direct stay direct or do you kind of adjust your communication style to match our sensibilities i'll tell you a personal sort of uh, trick that i use to be able to get used to this and i don't know if you have learned any uh, along the way is that in southeast asia unless somebody asks me a question twice um or asks for a response i will not start the conversation mm. what because because it's such a high context region again i'm not generalizing these are just framework things comparing i mean these are observations observations and again don't get me wrong this is not a stereotype it is just a framework to help you to operate across different cultures is that because it's a high context conversation yeah a lot of times indians have a tendency to be very direct and jump in and cut people in the middle of their sentences mm. mm-hmm. as their thoughts come in right so the way i have learned to sort of pull back is to have somebody take a long pause after you have finished speaking oh got it yeah and make sort of make you ask me that question again or make you ask me for a response and that way what if i they know don't like, say anything you 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 don't break the silence until they do Oh and that way you're sure that they are now at a point where they want your opinion. You clearly don't do that that when you're speaking to us Sunit. <laughs> yeah because you add no value to my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awkward pause. <laughs> now I'm going to ask you like have you done something similar where you tried to yeah. elicit a response because you understand like okay they're going probably going to be too polite. It's like, a bit different because like we we don't like I think for uh, Sunil it's a bit different because he yeah. like he actually does a lot of sales calls and all of that. Right. I would say for like us and this this is something I'm still trying to figure out 
but this is one like kind of nuance that i have seen so we've also started doing a lot of work in china but still supported by the singapore office and we obviously and the other big market is india as well right and one clear difference that i see between uh, like speaking to uh, like kind of getting business in china and getting business in india is that yeah. um, in india um, clients would want you to pitch to them and pitch to them a lot right like they would be like it's not as if um, like you might pitch to them and they might like it but they want you to come back and say i really really want your business why because it shows commitment it or? shows commitment it shows okay, that you're, okay, you're, okay. and it's again again for, for for especially for for us because we are a service based company so you have to kind of show that, that you really sense. want their their business right but the other thing in china is that that we've realized uh, in the past few months is that if you do the same thing in china it doesn't work really well so we've actually been able to establish a decent business in china without actually doing very heavy business development and it's right. basically just through our referral system so if we work with a client the client recommends us to another uh, like kind of chinese advertising company and then we start working with them oh, and whenever we've tried to actually pitch or like really go after them they've kind of backed off because and this is this is something that i'm still trying to figure out but i feel that there is this thinking in china that if you are pitching a lot then probably your product or your service is not that great right yeah so this is something that i have that's that's sensible that's sensible yeah. way to, to yeah. think about it yeah no so they base it on industry reputation and yeah exactly pros. right so like it's it's mostly on like if another company comes and another advertiser comes and recommends that this agency is good then they'll go for it but if the agency is creating great decks and pitching to you mm. they might not actually go for it unless they've heard like uh, unless they've got like industry like kind of referrals from from someone else yeah actually that is very true um uh, even for like my business as well uh, i find very similar patterns in uh, places like malaysia as well which is really? extremely referral based uh, you pitching to clients there is perceived as a uh, a notion that you're clearly not that great you're just trying to establish yourself we can't trust you right so yeah i i can identify with that yeah because it's funny in the philippines it feels kind of similar to what you guys at least how you describe how india works is just like showing commitment through just building that relationship by just presenting and meeting yeah, people and yeah. and all that i personally i find that inefficient. Yeah. Um I guess that's what you have to do. I mean just coming back to to that like which which do you feel is the most efficient way in terms of pitching? Like, is, can I like, say something? Sorry, yeah. Can I yeah, just yeah. add one thing? Yeah, yeah. The most efficient way of pitching is whatever gets you the business. <laughs> right? Yeah. Ah, okay. Um cuz I mean at the end of the day you might say that this is this is very similar to that argument that Kabir was saying earlier is that yeah this is the company culture we want everybody to fit in this box right you similarly how you can't make human beings fit into a box right for when they work for a company you cannot make human beings fit into a box True. when you are True. looking to work with them yeah. in whatever business you're looking to do it. sure um i'll just add one word at the end of your sentence that like um, uh, i would just say ethically so whatever sure. wins you business ethically ethically <laughs> right some people might need unethical ways to kind of win business as well right so obviously i think that's the but yeah i, I completely agree with you yeah okay let's 
jump to the present. Obviously, COVID-19 has affected all of us, all of the businesses that we work in. Has that affected the way you guys, Kabir, manage your teams across cultures, across borders, yeah. and managing clients as well? Yeah. I, I think like um, like I think since we started working from home, right? Uh, this is a this is one like kind of thing that I've noticed is that um, is that um, because I used to I, I obviously sit in the Singapore office and Singapore is a big part of our business. In general, since I was sitting in the Singapore office, I was. I would spend a lot of time on Singapore clients and businesses and BD and all of that. Yeah. And I feel since I've like kind of since we're working from home, uh, my like I'm I've been able to divide my time across regions quite equally, mm. based on where uh, like my time is needed. Because I've been away from the physical space, so I don't get like kind of asked into meetings which I. Right don't perhaps need to be there for right mm. so then i've been able to kind of i think that that's kind of helped me as well um just to kind of compartmentalize that okay this time is for indonesia or this time is for india or this time is for australia so it's kind of helped me do that um uh, and yeah i think overall since we kind of as a, as a culture we believe in like kind of trusting people as well i feel the last one year probably has been the most productive year for our agency in terms of like kind of uh, uh, resource management and the kind of work that our teams have done uh, in this environment has yeah. been really good, right? Because they have fl the flexibility of working at an hour that they choose to basically. Wow. That's very interesting because um, I have noticed this similar pattern where um, is that the proximity bias that used to be there in the past is less so now because everyone is sort of even if you are in the same city as the people you're doing business with, yeah. you're still using the same medium of communication as you would exactly. with somebody sitting halfway across the world. Exactly. So we used to get asked a lot, hey, do you have an office in XYZ region? Yeah. And we would go, well, we're a, we're a small company. We operate our HQ out of Singapore. Mm. Yeah. And in the past, it'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. We don't do business with people who don't have offices in the same city. Whereas that is something that I've seen change quite dramatically in the last one year. Oh, so I guess Where people just go, oh, you're not in the same city? Eh, it's fine. You're in the same time zone. And That's now okay. they accept, it's like, okay, everyone's doing it. So COVID, the yeah. great, not only the great accelerator, also the great equalizer. Yes. For yeah. <laughs> streamlining work cultures. Actually, I didn't, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. Everyone's just streamlined towards efficiency now, regardless of which culture you work in. And, I, and let me ask you a sort of a follow-up question because as a result of this streamlining of cultures is as you streamline things, you also neutralize unique elements, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you standardize a lot of things. Yeah. Have you seen like a, a, a change because your people are operating now like independently that it's harder to get everybody to look in the same direction and operate, get them to go in the same direction as you want them to go as a company? Yeah. But I, I think, see, the, because uh, there would always be, uh, even if there was no COVID, right, there would always be this kind of problem of uh, the uh, being in the physical location at the same time. Mm. So if you're in a certain physical location very often, then you are probably able to kind of guide teams as well in terms of what they need to do. Right. Um, and um, so I, I feel that... Uh, uh, I actually don't think that it has really changed because uh, in this environment, 
like we are able to kind of work more closely uh, with the the right people in different markets to kind of guide them on what uh, needs to be done so i don't think it's really changed one thing that i'd like to kind of point is overall what what we believe in or what i think i've learned as well is that it's not about stereotypes or it's not more it's not about how people behave in a certain environment what we actually look at is what drives people to do better and what drives employees to do better right mm. so and th- that's where we see some kind of c- cultural differences so in certain markets you might say that doing great work for clients is something that drives them more perhaps right or in some markets mm. it's basically the the monetary part or the bonuses which drives them more right. or or in in some market it's just the gratification of the managers basically saying oh you've done a great job here and perhaps getting everyone to appreciation no kind of oh. uh, applaud so that's something that we really put a lot of emphasis on to make sure that we're getting that right we obviously have like culturally we have oh, for the overall agency there are certain things that we do yeah. to reward uh, like good work yeah. but there are certain things that we might do in some cultures which might be a bit different yeah. uh, to to some others basically right 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 so let me ask you a follow up on that right um, one of the things that i have heard very often is that it's getting incredibly hard to identify those like qualitative measurements of somebody doing really well especially because they're working remotely so if you've just had like a great call right with a client and you just sort of imagine that you've got a piece of objective achieved with them because of that great call because you don't have anybody else physically close to you mm-hmm. there's nobody to actually say yeah actually that call was great yeah. you've done a really good job um so fear in the business community is that y- work is becoming increasingly transactional mm. that people it's easy to measure the kpis mm. but the the subtext of what gets in goes into achieving that objective is yeah. getting lost mm. right what are your thoughts about that has it become more transactional for you guys because everyone i mean i, I don't i don't i don't think like it's it's nothing personal it's just a, i mean it's it's just a point of view like what do you think is this something that you've thought about so like see uh, one part of one part about uh, like working in a business or or a professional environment is that mm-hmm. it's supposed to be transactional like work is supposed to be a a business transaction right yeah like i feel that um uh, it, it is about sort meeting certain metrics and being able to kind of then demand that okay i've met these metrics i should go to the next level or can right. i demand uh but there are certain things as you said that can't be measured and which is obviously that there are things that uh, are more like kind of uh, ambiguous which uh, which needs to be which are which is more qualitative which can only be kind of realized or felt right yeah. but i think to an extent if someone wants to show that they also need to make sure that their managers or people in the in the company are feeling it right but i think there are two different measures we obviously have like a competency framework in terms of like yeah. like every other company right like this mm-hmm. is what you need to achieve and stuff like that and there is there are qualitative elements as well based on obviously peer feedback or manager feedback and yeah. stuff like that but again you're right like sometimes you might miss something and obviously like 
business life is in general is not uh, ideal right there will be some ups and downs here and there yeah. but obviously like as as a company we try to make sure that we are trying to kind of fill those gaps as much as possible right yeah so would you say then that like in in this environment there is a little bit more responsibility now on the employees to talk about those subtext uh elements of their job mm-hmm. at least sort of talk about them make sure that they're highlighting them to their managers or people who they would want to have those things noticed by i would feel uh, i would feel that uh, they should do it anyway right uh, like irrespective of covid or not or working from home or not right there would be meetings that someone does the client alone anyway without your manager or without your peers being there and uh, if there are things that you need to highlight you should definitely highlight right it's obviously uh is something which which might kind of uh, give you reward at work you should yeah. definitely make sure if you've done something you should make sure that you kind of highlight that and i guess in your style like you encourage that for your for the people you directly yeah. manage right yeah. let me know i prefer transparency than than yeah. anything else right yeah. um okay i think we can kind of close off with one last question for you So any tips for managers on how to effectively manage cross border or cross cultural teams? Yeah. Yeah. See, I think like um, uh, I think one of the main things that uh, a manager should look at in in terms of managing cross cultural teams is I think I mentioned it earlier as well is to understand what drives the people, right? And right. as as I said earlier there are nuances to certain cultures in yeah. what drives them. So they one kind of a rule might not work for everyone so there sure. are as i said there are people who would be driven by uh, like kind of monetary rewards people who would be uh, be uh, driven by uh, like kind of appreciation or it could be uh, something else there right or doing great work right 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 i right, think right. but just to kind of realize that is the is kind of a aha moment for me especially which i have realized over mm. years of managing people is that you need to really go deeper into what really drives people right yeah no that's right and i guess this is irrespective of cultures because you you cannot stereotype a culture is like oh Filipinos or this or exactly. like Indians or that, right? Exactly. No, yeah, it, it is. No, you're right, and and I think that's the whole point, right? Of yeah. of us doing this podcast, like to just break yeah. those barriers. Absolutely, think, right. The the other one I I'd say is that uh, probably it's not cultural, but it's just that something where I really believe is that like kind of a no asshole policy. <laughs> is, uh, like from from that that I mean is yeah, that, of course, of course, of um, course. Like especially uh, like like. Um, in a service based company like us right it is obviously there's a lot of uh, constant interaction and communication between different employees yeah. and we have to always make sure that there is a certain level of dignity or politeness that people maintain yeah. so what we have like realized over the years is that you might have overachievers but who are assholes to other people <laughs> we actually do not like kind of take that at all and i think that's worked really well for us interesting because, okay so uh, if they like, can be high achievers but you don't necessarily reward them if they're being exactly dicks, exactly right? so we i think for us uh, like kind of uh, this kind of cultural thing comes much higher than how you actually so how you behave with other people in a team is more important than how you do at your work because like one person who's a, who's really good can actually spoil the culture of the company as well if they are mean and they're rude no yeah that's true and i think so, that cuts across different cultures anyway like no yeah, no exactly. one no one likes an asshole right so yeah, yeah. 
so that that's something that we like kind of i i i think i've learned over the years and right. that's something that i think has been successful for us as well okay cool so if you want the correct thing it is one rotten apple spoils the whole barrel barrel okay right got it puts apples in a barrel <laughs> yeah exactly who puts apples <laughs> in a barrel uh, <laughs> i and you know they're talking about it when you're making a cider Ah, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. See, my parents that, no, didn't pay for all the hospitality <laughs> education for nothing. <laughs> you you probably just googled it. <laughs> <laughs> no, he did. He totally did Google. No, but at least I was able to interpret what it means. <laughs> Unlike you losers. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. I think that wraps it up. Thanks, thanks, Kabir, for for uh, entertaining us. Yeah, Finish. thanks, thanks, guys, for having me. I think it was a great conversation, right. and yeah, hopefully, uh, I hope to see more great podcasts coming from you guys in the future. Yeah, best of luck, inshallah. <laughs> God willing. Ah, right. Um, thank you, Kabir. We appreciate this time. I think we learned a bunch of like interesting things, great anecdotes, and uh, those are tips are definitely appreciated. I'm yeah. sure a lot of our listeners. uh can uh learn a thing or two from those tips and sort of apply them in their day to day lives so once again thank you so much and we'll see you guys next time around thanks thanks